Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2269, with a release date of Friday, April 23, 2021, to follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. History is made with a first flight on Mars. Youth Ham Radio Camp is postponed again in Region 1. And a super sleuth ham helps rescue a stranded hiker. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2269 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline, Amateur Radio's first independent on-the-air news and bulletin service. Now reporting from Charleston, West Virginia, here's Jim Dameron, NATMW. We begin this week with the greatest moment not on Earth, but on Mars. The American aviation pioneers Wilbur and Orville Wright would be proud that the spirit of their 1903 achievement lives on 173 million miles away on Mars. Paul Brown, WD9GCO, brings us that story. It only lasted a minute. But it was the moment of many lifetimes. Ingenuity, the drone aboard NASA's Perseverance Mars rover, took to the air on Monday, April 19th, marking the first powered, controlled flight of an aircraft on another planet. With Mars's freezing temperatures, plus an atmospheric density that is 1% of Earth's and a gravity that is one-third of Earth's, the challenge of achieving liftoff was different from what the Wright brothers faced in 1903 with their pioneering flight here on Earth. In fact, a tiny portion of the original Wright flyer was on board Ingenuity. Scientists at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in California were hailing the pioneering flight as a Wright Brothers moment on Mars. The little drone achieved a height of about three meters during the 40-second flight. Data was sent back to Earth via the Mars rover. There will be other flights expected to be farther and at greater heights. NASA announced that this newest of all airfields on the Red Planet would be named Wright Brothers Field. Following the flight, the International Civil Aviation Organization, an agency of the U.N., gave NASA and the Federal Aviation Administration an official designator of IGY, callsign Ingenuity. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Paul Brown, WD9GCO. Young amateurs in IARU Region 1 are going to have to wait another year to attend ham radio camp. Ed Durant, DD5LP, brings us up to date. Concerns over the COVID-19 pandemic have postponed the year to summer camp planned for this summer by the youth working group in IARU Region 1. In making the announcement, Philip, DK6SP, and Marcus, DL8GM, the group's chair and vice-chair respectively, said that the organisers' intention is to reschedule the camp for the summer of 2022. This is the second pandemic-related postponement for the camp, which was being held with support from the Croatian Amateur Radio Society. In place of in-person events, Youngsters on the Air in Region 1 has been hosting a number of online workshops. Meanwhile, in IARU Region 2, planners have said they are still optimistic that they will be able to hold the first youth-on-the-air camp for young amateurs in North, Central and South America this summer and will be providing a COVID regulations-compliant environment. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Ed Durant, DD5LP. 
As Newsline went to production, we also learned that the IARU Region 1 Yoda sub-regional camp in Hungary was also being postponed. The Hungarian Amateur Radio Society made the decision based on Region 1's COVID-19 event cancellation policy. If you're constantly battling noise in the environment in your attempts to get on the air, this next story from Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, might just show some promise. Researchers in the U.S. who have been working with atom-based sensors and receivers say their work holds potential for weeding out environmental noise and other radio interference. Scientists at the National Institute of Standards and Technology see the sensor as a vital component because of its ability to measure what they call the angle of arrival of a wireless signal, a capability they believe will have a positive impact on the transmission for radar, 5G, and other modes. According to an article in phys.org, the system is able to take incoming signals and convert them into different frequencies. After measuring the separate electromagnetic waves' frequencies and their phase, that is, the position of the waves relative to each other, the system can determine where the signal is coming from. The scientists say that's necessary in order to differentiate real communications from interfering signals. According to the phys.org article, atom-based receivers and antennas have added benefits. They can be a great deal smaller than their traditional counterparts, and by making use of atoms to do the main work, they have no need for more conventional forms of electronics to do signal conversion. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Kent Peterson, KC0, DGY. A California amateur has used his skills to help in the rescue of a missing hiker, as we hear from Mike Askins, KE5CXP. The Los Angeles Times is calling Ben QO, AI6YR, a tech-savvy Good Samaritan, and a GPS sleuth, Ben, whose ham radio activities have proven especially critical during California's wildfires, recently used his skills to assist in another emergency. Los Angeles County officials were frantically searching for a hiker who'd gone missing on a peak in California's Angeles National Forest on Monday, April 12th. Ben's only clue was a photo the sheriff's office had posted on its social media accounts. The hiker's photo of his legs atop a rocky cliff. Ben, who knows the area as a hiker and SOTA activator, realized he might be able to match the terrain in the hiker's photo by using publicly available satellite imagery. According to the Times story, when he thought he'd found a close enough match, Ben set authorities the GPS coordinates. The location was close enough. Using the coordinates, a rescue team picked up the hiker the next day just as temperatures were set to plummet to below freezing levels. The hiker was in a remote, almost inaccessible area about three-quarters of a mile away from the spot that Ben had pinpointed. Ben told Newsline he's grateful he could call upon his experience as a hiker and SOTA activator, both of which keep his map and navigation skills sharp. In fact, he said the hiker was found not far from SOTA Summit W6CT064 East Twin Peaks, According to news reports, the hiker was airlifted to safety by a search and rescue team and did not require hospitalization. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Mike Askins, KE5CXP. Solar-powered emergency radios are being made available to some hams in coastal Oregon thanks to the local utility. Christian Kudnick, K0STH, brings us those details. The sun is shining in more ways than one for the members of the Emergency Volunteer Corps of Nehalem Bay in Oregon. The local electric utility has given them a $5,000 grant to help them buy ham radio base stations that run on solar power. A go box has already been designed to serve as a solar-powered station. 
with a 25-watt radio, antenna, battery, solar panel, and other equipment, enabling emails to be transmitted over the air. The Volunteer Corps plans to set up the stations up around the northern part of Tallamook County as part of their long-range plan to help bolster the coastal region's resilience following any major calamity. This is included in an overall communications plan that incorporates general mobile radio service as well as amateur radio. According to an article on the Tallamook County Pioneer website, the region has more than 100 amateur radio operators and 400 more residents using GMRS. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Christian Kudnick, K0STH. Is changing frequencies a good thing? Well, hams do it all the time. And now a mysterious transmission in space known as an FRB or fast radio burst has been found to be engaging in that practice too. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, has more. Researchers have made a discovery they say changes the shape of their search for the source of FRBs, fast radio bursts, detected in space that appear to come from well nobody quite knows. Scientists in McGill University Physics Department have detected bursts down to 110 megahertz, a good deal lower in frequency than the previously detected 300 megahertz. Writing in the Astrophysical Journal Letters, the researchers write that this new discovery has led them to think differently about where the bursts are coming from. Using radio telescopes in British Columbia and the Netherlands, the team detected the significantly lower frequencies and a constant delay of about three days between detection of the higher and the lower frequencies. They're still hot on the trail of the source of the bursts, but say that the ability to detect 110 megahertz transmissions brings them much closer to understanding things, especially one burst that was first detected in 2018 and is relatively close to Earth. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. Time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the N2JDW repeater in New York City on Monday at 8 p.m. local time. You have until May 31st to nominate a talented young radio amateur for the Bill Pasternak WA6ITF Memorial Amateur Radio Newsline Young Ham of the Year Award. Think of a young amateur whose commitment to community and whose enthusiasm for radio has inspired you and others and submit their name. Nominees must be 18 or younger living in the United States, its possessions, or any Canadian province. Downloadable nomination forms are due no later than May 31st and can be found on our website, arnewsline.org. One of the best ways to get hams on the same band in the same mode at the same time is to organize an event. Sunday, April 25th is the date for Light Up Two Meters Night, a very local event for participating hams who are encouraged to get on the air using two-meter simplex from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. local time. The event is the creation of Joseph Dernall, NE3R, who stresses this isn't a contest, just an operating activity to bring hams together and explore the possibilities of operating simplex. The primary operating frequency will be 146.52 MHz, but other simplex frequencies may also be available in different locations. 
15 years of sending CW with a straight key is no small achievement. Randy Sly, W4XJ, is here to tell us how one group has been making every contact a celebration for all those years. The Straight Key Century Club is celebrating its 15th anniversary. It all began with a simple post in the QRZ.com forum about the ARRL Straight Key Night after it ended in 2006. Tom Peterson, KC9ECI, wanted to see the event extended. He wrote, Do it the first of each month. Start your own SKCC club. 100 Qs with a straight key in a year gets a certificate. Ah, the heck with it. I'm officially starting the SKCC club. Since that day, the club has grown to over 24,000 members who are taking to the airwaves with straight keys, sideswipers, and semi-automatic keys. Tom told Newsline that he never thought the club would get this big. In fact, he's amazed. He said, The success of the SKCC has less to do with me and everything to do with a great bunch of operators who were willing to step up. I just provided the spark of an idea. Members can work toward awards and participate in many activities, including a monthly sprintathon. The May Sprintathon, which starts at 1200 Zulu on May 8th, offers bonus points for a contact made with any member who joined during the first year, those with a number lower than 2545. For more information and to register for a free membership, visit skccgroup.com. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Randy Sly, W4XJ, SKCC number 616S. Recognizing that amateur radio isn't an activity we engage in alone, the National Amateur Radio Society in Switzerland is asking members to take things one step further. They want seasoned hams to consider mentoring newcomers. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, has that story. The USKA, the Swiss National Amateur Radio Society, has put out a call to its members asking them to consider offering encouragement, support and expertise to new and prospective amateurs. The National Society is in the process of putting together a mentoring system and hopes hams will offer their time and commitment to meet newcomers either virtually or in person. Their responsibilities will include helping to answer questions on either the Ofcom HB3 Novice Licence or the HB9 CPT Class 1 Certificate. Other mentors are being asked to serve as instructors, provide advice for participation in contests and other events, as well as demonstrating certain basic skills. Vili, HB9AMC, who coordinates youth training for the Society, said, The activity is fully worthy of the ethos of amateur radio. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. Was there ever a ham radio operator who did not want to be heard? Well, one amateur in Maryland is giving hams around the world an opportunity for just that, even without the benefit of a rig, an antenna, or a linear amp. Jim, K3MRI, has launched a new effort called Ham Census, which he said is inspired by the newest licensees who've entered the worldwide community. The census presents questions about the future of amateur radio, personal views on regulations, operating preferences, gear, and organizations. The six-part census takes about 40 to 45 minutes to complete and is available online at hamcensus.org. 
There is no cutoff date for responses. Jim said results are available to all respondents in the hopes that a better informed amateur community can more effectively influence laws, practices, and the future of amateur radio in general. Organizers of a virtual space symposium taking place this summer are looking for presentations on amateur satellites, space weather, and related topics. Jason Daniels, VK2LAW, tells us how you can share your knowledge. If you have expertise on space weather, amateur satellites, or weak signal communication, AMSAT SA and the South African Radio League are interested in hearing from you. They're looking for papers on these subjects and related topics for presentation at this year's Space Symposium, being presented virtually on Saturday the 10th of July. Interested presenters are being asked to submit their proposals no later than the 15th of May, preferably in Word document format. These papers can be emailed to admin at amsatsa.org.za. Authors of these presentations being chosen will be notified on the 20th of May and the final versions of the papers are due by the 30th of June. The symposium's theme is Unlocking Amateur Space Technology. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jason Daniels, VK2LAW. In the world of DX, listen for John W2GD, who will be active as P40W between May 25th and June 1st from Aruba, focusing on 30, 17, and 12 meters. He'll also be on 160 meters, mostly on CW. Listen for him during the CQ Worldwide WPXCW contest being held May 29th to May 30th, where he'll use the call sign P44W, QSL using LOTW or N2MM. If you want to work in Indonesia, listen for Hans YB2DX during the CQ WPXCW contest in May. Send QSLs using Logbook of the World or direct to his home call sign. Our final story is about a vanishing fraternity, two brothers in India whose love of repairing old radios is endless, but whose way of earning a living is sadly finite. In fact, if the brothers who run the family's radio repair shop in Hyderabad, India, were amateur radio operators, they might have earned the nickname the Homebrew Brothers. Their business has operated in the heart of town since 1948. The brothers spend their time repairing and reselling radios. They learned the art from their father, who first learned about it in the 1920s and founded the business. Muji Budin is now 82 years old, and his younger brother, Moe Newton, is now 71. The business is called Maboob Radio Service, and according to an article on the Arab News website, it's the last radio repair shop in the southern Indian state of Telangana. The shelves inside contain a who's who of much-loved brands, Marconi, Philips, Johnson, GEC, and Telefunken. The oldest radio set is a 100-year-old Murphy. In here, the brothers do things the old-fashioned way. They fix things by replacing damaged parts. They told the news website that newer radios with their advanced technology don't necessarily even offer that option. There's one more option that's also unavailable to the brothers, passing their radio business on to the next generation. None of their children know how to fix radios and aren't interested anyway. Said one of the brothers, the business will end with us. With thanks to Amateur News Weekly, AMSAT, Arab News, the ARRL, CQ Magazine, David Bihar, K7DB, HamCommunity.org, the Japan Amateur Radio League, 
Joseph Dernall, NE3R, NASA, Ohio Pen DX Newsletter, PHYS.org, QRZ.com, Straight Key Century Club, Southgate Amateur Radio News, ShortwaveRadio.de, Ted Randall's QSO Radio Show, Tillamook County Pioneer, WTWW Shortwave, and you, our listeners, that's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. Send emails to our address at newsline at arnewsline.org. More information available at Amateur Radio Newsline's only official website at arnewsline.org. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT, at the news desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Jim Dameron, N8TMW in Charleston, West Virginia, saying 73. And as always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2021, all rights reserved.